What's up, everyone? I'm your host, Coach Joe Strong, here to bring you another great episode of the Business of Strength podcast, where you can hear the interviews, tips, and tools to turn your passion for strength into a profession you love. This episode is brought to you by thebusinessofstrength.com, where gym owners and fit pros can get the consulting, on-demand courses, and tools to grow your gym business. Go to businessofstrength.com and download the free Turning Pro course. This free course will help you make more money today. Today's guest is super entrepreneur, Sam Tooley. Sam is a one-man nuclear reactor. He owns an amazing gym called Alpha Fit Club, and he has three super dope locations and is expanding rapidly. It's a real high-energy, fun place. The, the branding is super cool. If you're a gym owner geek like me, you're going to love looking at his Instagram and checking out his spots. So much to learn just from a branding and design perspective. He does high-level one-on-one endurance coaching for those who actually want to run marathons and Ironman tries and things like that. And he's partnered with a digital platform called Ladder to bring his programming and training uh, practices to the masses. Sam does a great job breaking down the Alpha brand and how it's an extension of his own personal core values and mission and the, his life lessons and some of the tragedy and successes that he's had in his life have really led to the creation of this brand. He does an amazing job of breaking down the actual business. He's designed this business with the idea of franchising. So they've done an amazing job of documenting all their systems and processes and setting themselves up for success. They're expanding rapidly. Like I said, their, their goal is to open up multiple facilities. Sam's got an incredible backstory. It's filled with some tragedy and triumph. And after listening to Sam, you'll see why he attacks each day like it's his last. We can all use a little bit of alpha in us, as Sam says. And uh, so Sam Tooley, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sam, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I've watched you over the last, you know, couple of years, you know, since the last I saw you, it was not, not too long ago, and you were just getting your first uh, alpha shop up and running. And uh, now you're going on number three and I've uh, watched kind of a meteoric rise. The brand's growing fast. So thanks for sharing your story and being here today. Yeah, hundred percent. It is, it is funny to think back to maybe two, three years ago, give or take yeah. when we first got connected and things have definitely, you know, taken off in the right way, not without their, their bumps along the road for sure. Um, but it's been fun. Right. And I was saying we, we signed up to be busy and I think you and I both certainly, uh, fit the bill there. So all good stuff and definitely excited to, to jump on and, and to jam on some of this stuff with you. Cool, man. So, so for everybody out there who, who don't know, Sam, Sam Tooley is, is another Jersey born a Jersey bred strength, strength owner, meathead entrepreneur, right. Who took the plunge. He, who, you know, has a similar story as a lot of guys in the industry was an athlete, uh, was in the track world, right. And across cross County and, and track and, uh, and turn that passion for fitness and strength and training into a profession. Right. And, and, you know, was a professional coach for a while and, you know, through doing the right thing, I think, and, 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 you know, making great connections and so forth, some opportunities popped up and he's created a really amazing brand, uh, called alpha and, and the alpha fit club. And, and he just, now you have, you're going on number three, you got a Westfield, New Jersey, uh, Verona, New Jersey, and coming soon is red bank. Correct. 
Yeah, crazy, crazy to think about it. I mean, I joke all the time saying I'm geographically challenged. So I'm still starting to uh, figure out the lay of the land with a lot of these locations. But um, yeah, to rewind the clock, I moved back home uh, about four and a half years ago, um, had just been a cash register salesman. So I was selling cash registers. Um to wait, for, for, wait, hold up. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, who? Yeah. Who the fuck's to, buying cash registers? <laughs> ind independent grocery stores. So I was literally, I was living in Binghamton, New York. Okay, um, I would right. drive down to New York City every Tuesday at 4 a.m. And I would scour the city from the Bronx to Brooklyn to wherever, um, cold calling independent grocery store owners, trying to sell them point of sale systems. You're talking like the like the small little mom and pop shops like you, you name sell it. them two, three, four, yeah. five cash registers. Okay. You name not, it. And, not not and, not Pathmark who's going to buy 30 or 40 or 50 of them a shop. There were there were a few groups that, you know, like family owned businesses that had maybe seven supermarkets, right? With like okay. 10 okay. aisles. Those were like okay. the golden the golden goose. Yeah. Um and you know, at the end of literally 3 months, this was my first job uh out of college, right? Uh -huh. Um I had a tough go to end college, to be honest. You mentioned I was an athlete. Um, I kind of fell fell off that wagon after, you know, competing at a really high level in high school, you know, going division one, um, finding my love for the weight room while I was in college. Um, but because I didn't have the, the structure and the outlets that I kind of had growing up, um, I was not living my best life to kind of finish to finish college. I was kicked out at one point. Um, weaseled my way back in, you know, ended up graduating and then ended up at this job. We can talk about that one when we're, when we're not recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, I'm an open book. If, if anybody follows me, they, they see it all. But, um, you know, I ended up at a job where I just felt like I needed to get back on track with life, sure. doing something positive and productive. And, you know, I laugh looking back thinking that's what my job was, but it was a, it was a stepping stone. Yeah. And what it, what it gave me was a clear indication of, again, what I didn't want to do, um, yes. what I wasn't meant, what I, what I wasn't meant to do. Um, and unfortunately had really supportive parents who were like, listen, man, what is it? What is it that you want to do? And yeah. the only thing that I could think about was coming home to coach and to coach at my alma mater, uh, in Westfield and, mm -hmm. uh, and help with the track and field and cross country program. So, um, that's really, that was my introduction to coaching was just coming home, being a part of the program that I grew up around and was super successful in, um, and just really getting my bearings and saying like every single day at practice, I was like, this is what you're meant to do. It just clicked. It felt like home. Um, and that was, that was a really refreshing feeling because for a long time, whether it was college or that weird job, et cetera, um, I didn't, I didn't have that sense of belonging or purpose. Sure. Sure. And so to, to find that early, right. 23 years old, I I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, I've always, I've talked about that a lot and like, you know, cause I think there's a lot of people in the industry who uh, the fitness industry is a unique thing. Anyway, it, it is generally driven by passion and the majority of people who come into it, as you know, had some, they, they love fitness. They love sports. They, they themselves went through some type of personal physical transformation or, or fitness. Like in my case, fitness was an emotional outlet for me from, you know, a pretty tough childhood. So it was like, for me going to the gym, sports, getting out of the house, that was my escape. That was getting out, that was getting away from the house and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so from, you know, so I gravitated towards that. 
um, what the fitness industry lacks a lot of is, is, you know, top flight business, right. In the, yeah. in the other way. Right. So, but I think there's also an issue in the, in, in like the world today where everybody's like trying to find their passion. And sometimes passion comes by putting some, you know, elbow to the grind a little bit. And, and, and you, all of a sudden, if you do something long enough, you get good at it. And it's like, wait a minute, this is my passion. I really do love what I do. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, the next steps. I know you had, you had, an, you have another gym also, or, yeah. or I, do you still have that gym? Yeah. Right. So what ended up happening, I mean, it was really interesting because it was also an interesting point in time for social media as a whole, sure. quite frankly. So I got my start in kind of this, in the, in the business of fitness, uh, online primarily. Mm-hmm. So again, I had just graduated college. I was the ultimate party boy in college. So it was definitely not, um, something that my friends from school were expecting. Good thing we didn't go to school together. Yeah. Probably a dangerous <laughs> duo, but, um, you know, I, I was coaching at the high school and I was, I was on Instagram. I was on Facebook. I was on everything just like yep. anybody else. But what was interesting for me was I started seeing a lot of these fitness professionals, quote unquote, putting together programs and coaching. And it was all centered around dropping body fat, putting on muscle, right? Just getting ripped up and looking good for the beach. And so I was, you know, coming back into my running after taking a long time off. And I was like, where is, where is this for runners? Where is this for endurance athletes? And so I saw a gap in the market, um, you know, on social media and digitally, for online endurance coaching. And I knew that this was a passionate group of people, people Mm -hmm. who divested time, energy, money, they had end goals, they had races, right? Like I was walking this walk. And I was like, you know, the only thing that I could find was a mom crouched down next to her minivan holding up five fingers. And it was like the splits of her five mile run, right? And it was like, I got my run in like, did you it was like modern day, modern day Peloton, if you will. Sure. Um, And so there was nothing wrong with that. But I just there wasn't anyone servicing that group. And so I said, I'm going to take a shot at this. And so that's when I started my Instagram account. It was coach.samtooley. I was posting pictures of me running. I was posting pictures of the kids at practice, training, you name it. Like I was just documenting. And my buddies yeah, yeah. from college were like, yo, what are you posting on the internet? And I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm backending this with a coaching service, a business. And so they, they gave me a pass, right? And were you coaching uh, runners? Were you helping people with like running, like running programs and stuff like that? Yeah. So by the, by the end of, I would say three months in, I was coaching 40 athletes all over the world, like Australia, Switzerland, Mexico city, all over the country. And it was through grunt work of literally searching social media for people training for races. And Uh. I would DM them. Saying, hey, you were man, just like cold calling for- again. This goes back to the sales job. Yeah. Just cold call people on the DM, you know, you name it. And so yeah, I yeah. did it. And that was, that was the only responsibility I had was show up at the high school and coach from three to five and train myself and then try to build this business. Hawk people was, on the DM. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was, I was fortunate to be living at home and, and, you know, didn't really have, everybody was rooting for me. That's mm-hmm. one thing that I always like to mention too, is like, as I started this process, Nobody was doubting me. Nobody was ever saying like, let's think this through. Mm-hmm. They were all like, go for it. That's so great. I was super supported. I was in my hometown. I had the biggest track team in the state of New Jersey behind me. Um, and I was like, okay, let's, let's roll. So it took off and I was a little bit nervous about just having an online coaching business. I was like, what if my Instagram gets hacked? What if anything? Right. So I took the leap of faith and I signed my first uh, lease 
for a 700 square foot space um, on Central Avenue, which is now where the uh, the Westfield Alpha Fit Club is located. Mm-hmm. So um, 700 square feet. It was a squat rack, a treadmill, some dumbbells and my dog. Right. And the running the running joke was that most people were coming to chill with my dog and not actually train with me. <laughs> and, uh, my usual response was, I don't care why they're here. As long as they're paying and they're coming, I'm good. Yeah, that's and it. I right. got 15 dogs. I don't care. Um, so that's, that's how we started. It was a small right. 700 square foot space. Um, and I was piggybacking all of it with a lot of online coaching, which now is, you know, quite frankly, my main source of income is, really? is my online coaching business. Yeah. And you're still doing, now you're doing that through ladder primarily, correct? So right now, um, and we talk about having pots on the stove and, sure. and things like that. So right now, predominantly, I do high level one-on-one endurance coaching, whether you're training for your first Ironman or this past year, I had my first Olympic trial qualifier for the marathon. Um, a badass, a badass female out of Boston. We flew down to, uh, to Houston, Texas, and she, she crossed the line in 244. You need to hit wow. 245 as a female. So she got it by 30 seconds. Um, and I saw her for all of 30 seconds of the race, but we did it. Um, so I coached 44 that's flying dude. Insane, Flying, insane, legit. So, um, I'm coaching a lot of top tier endurance athletes, uh, one-on-one and then my program through ladder teams, ladder teams is a, is a startup. They've got the likes of Jennifer Jacobs. We had rain on here. Yes, exactly. So a lot of top, top tier coaches, um, I, I usually say I'm the low man on the totem pole on the app, just trying to keep up. Um, but that is my kind of like for the masses strength and conditioning program. So okay. I'm charging anywhere between 400 and $500 a month for one-on-one coaching, mm-hmm. um, and I have a roster of around 40 or 50 clients. And then the, uh, the latter program is, is more towards $50 a month. Right. And that's what uh, we're hoping to scale out to a couple. Sure. Thousand sure. The goal is there to get to the you know, thousands in a yes, sense, sir. right? Yep. Yeah, great. Yep. Awesome, awesome. It's a great platform. And, and the original founders and people who developed it, you know, I had known and was pitched it years ago and whatever. We just went in a different direction here because at that time, technologically, it wasn't right quite where I needed it to be for what sure. we do here. I was looking at it. I wasn't interested. I'm not interested in being, you know, rain. You know, sure. and Rain's Rain's an amazing dude, but I don't want to be the fit pro coach doing yeah. online programs. My my thing is the gym business, the gym fitness business, you know, B two B business, and then obviously now we're getting ready to scale VH to multiple locations in the next couple of years. So, like awesome. I said earlier, stay the hell out of my side of the my side of the county. Brother. <laughs> he gave me the warning. Man. <laughs> it wasn't even subtle. It was just like we're gonna stay come, away. we're gonna come down there like Cobra yeah. Kai, a bunch of me heads gonna walk in. Yeah, stay the hell out of Burke I don't wanna, County. I've seen, I've seen your gym's page, man. I don't want to mess with any of those boys. So I'm good. No, we're super excited for you go because it's a really cool brand. And obviously, I knew you were doing the podcast, and. uh and, and, and I've been like hawking your, your brand a little bit just to get a little bit more familiar before I had you on. And, you know, I don't want to compare you to any other brands, but like, you know, we had talked about it at one point in time, you know, um, where you're doing a group fitness model, but it's, it's super cool. Like you, you really created a unique brand, the look, the vibe, the pictures, the big wolf on the wall and stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's very, yeah, no, it's, it's very <laughs> cool. It's very cool. So I think you, you know, you, one of the things you said in the podcast pre-screen was, you know, um, you wanted, you took everything you didn't like about, you know, group fitness and, yeah. and tried to kind of re-script it. So tell me a little bit about what that is. Like, what is that sure. stuff? 
So, you know, to give context, I had that little rinky dink gym, right? 700 square feet. I was training when I kind of felt like it, et cetera, right? I, I didn't really need to go all in, but as I acquired more clients and those clients became, you know, trusted friends and mentors and, and they were incredible business people themselves, mm -hmm. you know, you have enough conversations during these training sessions where they start to open your eyes a little bit. And sure. one of my, you know, good friends and now business partners, he's like, you ain't going to make money when you're not in this room, the way you're running things. He's like, that's just how it goes. He's like, you make money when you're here. He's like, you don't make money when you leave. He goes, how are you going to fix that? Unless you want to be doing this for the rest of your life. Yeah. And as much as I loved it, he, you know, he struck a chord, a chord with me for sure. And so uh, we started exploring group fitness concepts and we looked at Orange Theory. We looked at F45, right? The ones that we mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to be compared to, but we're in that same universe. No, right? but they're killing that space, and, right? And yeah, they, no doubt. They've replicated the model thousands of times. So, And now that I'm in it, it's even more impressive, right? Yeah. Now that I'm in it and I've seen what they've done. Yeah. I don't throw shade at nobody. I'm like, that's, we aspire to be that. No, they have some amazing like backend systems and the no way doubt. that they, and, and especially like what I look at most, and I think you're getting to this point too, now that you've opened multiple facilities is the, the market research, the real yeah. estate research. Like, you know, they have Next whole level. teams of people that are just diving into where can we find the best, you know, dollar value per capital space and stuff. Their whole job, right? Like I'm like, yo, I'm, you know, so. I just want uh, to coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, that's, you know, we, we started with that little concept. We yep. started tinkering with ideas. We looked at F45, we looked at orange theory and I just felt like I was selling my soul to the devil only because it wasn't mine, right? It wasn't my brand. And we, and we had one, right? We had a reputation, you know, I just felt like there were things that we could do better. And so the things that we set out to do better were we wanted the room to feel spacious. We wanted people to feel like they weren't yeah. crowded on top of each other. They weren't sardines, et cetera. So we said, let's reduce the class size so that it just feels comfortable, right? We also said, let's make sure what that, that we hire the- typically for like at an alpha club? Is that like 10 sure. people, 12 people, 15? So it's actually 24. Now, okay, okay. So the way that an alpha fit club class is structured is it's 24 people per class. It is six stations, four people per station and you're rotating around the room. So you spend six minutes at a station, you yep. get a minute to 90 seconds of rest, and then you rotate to the next station. Um, we're doing everything from sleds and battle ropes to yep. skiers and air bikes to dumbbells and kettlebells, TRX, a self-propelled treadmill sure. and a skill mill. So it's a great so, cross, cross training type of training with, exactly. with a mixture of functional implements yeah. plus cardiovascular. For sure. And so we've, and, and part of it too was that programming, right? Yep. I want people just bopping around. I wanted it to make sense. I wanted it to follow, you know, a similar progression to that of a, uh, of, of an athlete going through a yep. program to a bodybuilder trying to, you know, go through their work. So what we did was we, we branded, and this is actually part of our trademark now, which is cool is we, we branded the weeks in the themes, right? So we've got capacity week, tenacity week, intensity week, and remix week. And so cool. the idea is you go through this cycle, right? This program. Brilliant. And when you come out the other side of it, you should obviously be better for it, right? Brilliant. Love um, it. The capacity week is longer duration cardio, higher rep range. By the time you get to intensity, you're looking at, you know, shorter bouts of intense cardio moves and lower rep range where we encourage you to go a little bit heavier with the weights. Yeah, go um, hard. And the room is actually, 
you know, and as you mentioned, right, we've got the, the building is blacked out. The turf is blacked it's out. It's all black. Sometimes I'm looking in there. I'm like, I can't see shit. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no doubt. We're hiding in the shadows, man. Um, you it's got the big wolf. Cool, man. I really big, do. I really dig it. Thank you. Um, the big wolf mural is hand painted by an artist that's local to us for now. So we'll have to figure out the logistics of, of flying her around the country when the time comes. But you just uh, get a wrap made. You just take that painting and turn it exactly. into a wrap. Yeah. 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 Um, we light up the room in accordance to the week too. So you come in and the room, the accent lights are green. The LED strips across the beams are green. That's capacity uh, week, right? You sure. come in and it's intensity week and everything's red. You know? <laughs> so part of cool. what we're trying to do is educate people as well, right? Sure. Now, a lot of people, they don't care, right? They want to come in, get a great workout, be with their friends, enjoy and go home. But others, they want to know why they're doing what they're doing and they want to learn. And so part of what we're trying to do with those themes, right, as simple as they might sound and whatnot, we are trying to bring some sort of education to the sure. group fitness scene, which typically is, is underserved in that arena. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that that is the biggest thing. And again, I'm not hating on anybody. Everybody's got their niche and, and you know, where me and you as a small business growing from the grassroots stage of one place yeah. growing outward, we can, you know, our, my stamp is the coaches and, yeah. and the, and the, and the coaching, the programming and, and the fact that we hire experts in strength and conditioning mm -hmm. and, and, and transform them into great dynamic coaches, right. Through our internship programs and stuff like that, where like, you know, a big, you know, multinational brand that's like, no, that that's what takes too much time and energy. We can't scale fast enough to do that. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, where like a place like us, so you think maybe, Hey, maybe, maybe you do get to the franchise model where you can open up a couple dozen of them or yeah. more, right. At some point. Right. And that's when you sell out the big venture capital and, uh, and they ruin your brand, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 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 but you're sitting in the Bentley, bro. <laughs> yeah. But, but, the, but the reality is, is that, you know, there is a limit to where you can manage like a high level sure. quality culture and things like that, where like, you know, again, you're going to go to a thousand locations, like an orange theory. It's like, okay, great. We'll give up a piece of that. Sure. To for for replication, you know, and, and so forth. So I love that, and I think look, that comes from the passion of you. Like, no, I, I'm I'm not going to put my seal of approval on something that looks like a turd, you know. And it's not it's not real coaching, and I want people yeah. to feel like they walked out of there with a mentor, a guide, and 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 actually trained in a way that led to something. It wasn't just like yeah, we show up and do whatever Sam tells us to do every day. It's just some some nonsense. There's there's also, I mean, listen, I say it all the time is that there's, there's endless options for people to go to and to yeah. sweat and to get a workout in. Right. And quite frankly, I didn't like group fitness before we opened because everybody was getting injured and coming to me for private training after yes. the fact. Right. Yes. So I was like, there must be something broken with this. So I would go experiment. I would go take an orange theory class and I'm like, okay, well, I, I enjoy this. I get it. It's fun. But then I'd spin around and watch a room filled with 42 people with one coach who maybe didn't even have that much experience. And the woman is contorting her body trying to do an inverted row. And I'm like, something is broken here. And it's not just that woman's back, right? So it was one of those things that we we said, if we're going to do this, if I am going to put my stamp of approval on, we got to feel good about the fact that people are trusting us with their bodies, literally. And we need to we need to honor that we need to take care of that. So um, that's something that I, you know, 
I don't see us compromising. I think, you know, it's definitely going to be a part of my thought process as we do expand, whether it's, you know, corporately or the franchise route, which is the end goal for us, right? We're that's what the plan is. Yeah. So we're in conversations right now with a few different groups um, who are, who are really interested in, in going the franchise route. And we went into this based upon the structure of our partnership. There's a few, you know, a few cooks in the kitchen on our team mm -hmm. up at the top, um, all with very different backgrounds, but mm -hmm. all of us went in with the intention saying, let's replicate this, right? Every decision that we've made from, you know, understanding the turf, the layout, the schematics of the architect, sure. the desk materials, the painting, the TVs, the back end. Like, I think you can appreciate just knowing you, like, there are systems in place now for anything and everything that I can think of. There's numbers that we need to hit each and every week, every month, every day, whatever. Fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's really, I feel like I've gotten like an expedited, you know, just an expedited learning going through this process sure. because you have to. Yeah, if yeah. You're gonna, if you're going to make this, you will have to. And look, I mean, we, we had a very similar path because, you know, kind of similar, like we were training, you know, we're in a very affluent area and we were training like a lot of successful people. And like you said, through those conversations and through those, you know, I, we helped, you know, a family here, my, my business partner here in the building and property, Peter, um, and, and his family and his wife, Leslie, who works for us part-time, right? Um, you know, they, they, we, we helped his family transform their lives, you know, and, and, and because of that relationship and trust, we became good friends. We started hanging out like as friends yeah. and, and like, you know, having dinner together and things like that. And we started looking for a new space and, you know, we were looking for, you know, somewhere in the range of 10,000 square feet and, you know, rents at 10,000 square feet in New Jersey are pretty terrible, yeah, right? We're talking, you no know, 25,000 a month and stuff yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, look, that's just, that's just not feasible from a business model. He's like, I think, you know, I can help you guys. My company builds these steel structure buildings and we could kind of partner up on it. Right. And it was like a way to do that. We just happened to find a piece of real estate and so forth. Me and Dan, and that kind of took off and that spawned into a business venture. And, you know, and, and, you know, we, we've been able to grow because of that. And, and that, again, that was because of, the, the relationships we built with a lot of people that we had, we built this team up, my friend, our financial advisors, our CFO, our accountants, and all are like literally part of our conciliary team. Yeah. Right. And, and, and now we're poised to take another big leap and grow some more. Nice. What, what does, you know, so what does the ideal model look like? So now that you guys have narrowed this down and you kind of put everything in a box and, yeah. and systemize things, what exactly are you looking for? What's the ideal size? You know, what sure. are, what are some generalizations in terms of like budget startup and what you're looking yeah. for in terms of demographic location and so forth? Yeah. So I'll take you back to, to kind of the start of the first alpha fit club in Westfield, right? So great town, but people yeah. don't, if you, if you don't know, Westfield is another, a very, it's a, it's an epicenter town with a great downtown. Yeah. Um, again, a, an affluent clientele and and what you know again everywhere in new jersey here is pretty uh population density packed so you know you got you got lots of people yeah. with a relatively lots of, bodies lots of money yeah, yeah. In, in an area exactly yeah um so we had actually ironically been first looking in bergen county we were looking in midland park we were looking in ridgewood we were looking in that area just because of that those exact stats that you listed right population density and just affluence yep. etc um we had signed a lease in Midland Park. It had fallen through. And so we were kind of just back to the drawing board. I was on a run one day 
uh, coming up Central Avenue. Central Avenue is the direct road off of the parkway right into the dead center of town. And there was a building for rent that was the old Westfield farm market, right? So it was like a Chinese fruit market, um, standalone building with a parking lot. Cool. And I just stopped on my run and I was like, yo, I'm like, this is it. And I'm like, like taking pictures, like outside of my little running booty shorts. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, we need to get this. So, um, we took the leap of faith and we, when we went for it with that location, um, our original location is 2,700 square feet. Um, okay. we pay it. We, yeah, it's, so it's a little bit smaller than we like. Um, we went for it. We put in a glass garage door that opens up right to central Avenue. Yeah. We love it. Our neighbors, not so much. Um, you know, and it's a very simplistic setup. So, uh, what we look for in a workout space in itself for the group class is 35 feet wide, 50 feet deep. And that's what you're fitting those 24 bodies in. Um, we partnered with techno gym on our equipment. And so I saw, that. Gym, I saw a lot of techno gym gear. Yeah. Beautiful equipment. Their U S headquarters is in Fairfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So not too far away bunch of conversations with them in terms of how this could look if it if it does in fact grow um i am one of their master instructors for the us and went over to italy uh, a year and a half ago to film content with them so we have a great working relationship with and they're a big enough company where they can scale to infinity too yeah totally so um you know the the equipment package is the same everywhere the layout is the exact same the programming is the exact same um so we're Exactly. And now, you know, I, you, I got the whiteboard system behind me, you know, we're nuts <laughs> over here, but That's I know it, you man. can appreciate that. And Always. I'm sure that anybody listening right now, if you, if you're not on your whiteboard game, we probably don't have too much in common. No, so. no, no. My whole yeah. office is a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so right now what we're looking for, right. As we opened in Verona, as we open in Red Bank was we really want, and, and it's not always going to be, be the case, right. But yeah. so far what we've really looked for are standalone locations that are literally a destination, right? Mm -hmm. So Verona, for example, used to be a long standing pharmacy that everybody knew, right? If I was like, yo, we're at Terry's pharmacy. They're like, oh, no kidding. Like that's what's going in there. Or in Red Bank, it used to be an old historic glass factory, right? So we found these landmark locations that people know there's no confusion. There's parking, there's presence, there's all of that. And realistically, yeah. all we need is about 3,000 to 3,500 square feet. Yep. And it's perfect. You know, That's it's awesome. Perfect, a wasted space. So now we're at the stage of the game where we have an architect, uh, like a firm that can basically take drawings, mix and match, figure out where it goes what, right? It's not just me sitting in the space in silence saying like, let me visualize this, let me figure it yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. which historically had been the case and maybe yes. gave... That's Maybe how we did this some, facility and screwed yeah. up royally. Gives it, exactly. So it gives it some character and then it gives you some head scratching moments where yeah. you're like, why did we ever put this here? Yeah. Why do I have a 4,000 square foot turf? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's cool, but, so, it, but it, <laughs> no doubt. So, you know, that's what we're typically looking for in terms of, of locations. It's just what makes sense, right? We yeah, need yeah, bodies yeah. and we need bodies that can spend some money. So what's, what's, what is, so obviously you have everything kind of laid out in terms of the, you're going to get the same equipment, like yeah. whatever. I, I, and I'm, I'm bastardizing, but you're going to have, you know, four treadmills, four rowers, yes. four skiers, whatever it is, right. You're going to have that set up. What does your general startup cost look like? You know, so like if somebody else wanted to, you know, I think, cause the variation in the gym industry is massive. Yeah. yeah. You can open up a CrossFit box with a rig and some barbells for 50 grand. Yeah. And then you can open up, you know, a health club, you know, for 3 million, 
Sure. Right. And it really depends on what you're looking for. But I think, you know, from a profitability standpoint at the space you're looking for, you know, you, there's a there's a certain budget to client ratio, because like yeah. you said, if one of your key differentiators is that you want the place to feel spacious and you want people to feel like they have their own space and it's not just crowded in like sardines, that means there's a limit on how many memberships you can sell and how many people are coming in. So what does that cost kind of ratio look like? Yeah. So typically, I mean, typically, and I'm going to give very broad numbers for anybody listening, but typically we're going to say that, you know, if you were to come in and franchise this, I'm just going to give an average out there. You're going to want around 350 K in the bank, right. From mm -hmm. build out to, to working capital, et cetera. Right. That'll, mm -hmm. that should get you into the clear. And then, you know, right. we should be making money from And there, that's a completely, so. what we're talking about here is a complete, cause you're not putting in, you're not just painting the walls. I mean, these are, no. you take a look at Sam's uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, and at the end, we'll give you all the, all the contact info, but like, we're talking about a completely redesigned space, you know, totally. top to so bottom, even if it's a perfect shell, right. There's so much that people don't understand that go into building these spaces, whether it's literally just like the plumbing, the black, like the low voltage, right. A like $4,000 street sign. Yeah, no doubt. exactly. Right. And, <laughs> you know? and that was new. So every time we've gone through this process, I certainly have learned a yeah. ton, right. So we're on our third alpha fit club build out to say that I am much more well-versed in terms of how much things cost is definitely an understatement. Sure. We, I was our, I was our general contractor on the first one, right? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of food bars. There was a lot of, Same. you know, mess Same, up. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, that's part of the game, right? That's part of it. But as people go through this and for anybody listening, like surround yourself with the people who actually know best, right? Save yourself some time, save yourself some money, save yourself that headache of it. Um, and now it's, you know, it's one of the things where I take a step back and I'm genuinely proud of the fact of how far we've come, how quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it really is because we've surrounded ourselves with people, not only who are super passionate about what we do, right? If you, if you have an existing club and people love coming to your gym, chances are there's people in that building who can help you you know, get to that next level. No um, question. We've got a lot of really, really good people in our corner. So um, we are definitely limited, right? In terms of how many bodies can come into the room. It's 24 at a time. Now, a couple interesting things from COVID, right? Is, and I'll give, I have no problem sharing numbers and sure. things like that is in nine months, we got to almost 400 members when we first opened, right? At, For, at, at the, at the Westfield location. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So nine months, we got to around 400 members and we were just, bursting at the seams right um what was interesting is that though, kind of like close to the limit there like you were like uh we were like getting every there where class I was like, is pretty sold out and yeah i was like i was like how do we fit more in here right so we were definitely getting to the point but what was interesting was because we were the hot new thing in town a lot of people were signing up just to sign up so there was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of people who were signing up and not coming right sure. the average attendance of people was 2.2 times per week okay right back then as we fast forward after getting closed down and reopening, which is a whole, you know, story in and of itself, which right. I know that you can, we can yep. all relate to, but we, we did it. We got by, right. We made it, we made it work. Um, a lot of virtual Sam for that, for that, yeah, no for doubt. that six months, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, outdoor blacktop workouts. That's what yes. we called it. Um, yep. single dumbbells, things like that. The, the dead center of downtown with 200 people in the streets and me, yeah. you know, yelling a whole, a whole bunch. Um, what was interesting, though, is that the people who are coming back now, right, we've got less members, but not much less. Um, the people who are coming back now, man, they are passionate. They want to yes. be there every day, right? Yep. It is such a part, such an important part of their lives that if I and I haven't run the numbers uh, lately, 
but I would, I would say the average attendance is probably almost double. I would say yeah. it's closer to four times a week. Um, and that is causing its own set of issues, right? In a sense of now you have less members and capacity is, is equally a problem. Yeah. Um, but that said, there's other, you know, there's other ways around it, whether we raise the membership price because it's a, it's a hotter commodity or sure. we add more classes and we just do them back to back to back. There's, yep. there are ways to get around it. Um, but typically what we're striving for is 500 members a club. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense. And then, and then now do you, other than the, the, the group classes, is there opportunity for private training or semi-private training, or is it just the, just the, so, just the classes? At Alpha Fit Club, it is only group classes. Now, okay. fortunately, if you're near Westfield, I've got my other gym down the road called The Garage, which is a 24-7 membership-only gym, and we also do private training as well. So okay. If, okay. You're, if you're part of my OG squad in the hometown, we've got a spot for okay. you to come train. But Alpha Fit Club, just like an Orange Theory, et cetera, we keep it to one, yeah. one offering. Right. And, 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 and look for, for all the gym owners and, and, and fit pros out there who are thinking about opening a gym. Let me tell you something. Some of the, one of the hardest things to do in business is simplify. And, and, and cause, cause as an entrepreneur, we generally tend to be multipliers. Right. And it's like, well, well, yeah, but if I, but if I take, but if I start doing private training, I can make this. Or if I start doing semi-privates, I can do this. Or if I start maybe like a little athlete class, we could do this, right? And it's like, oh, well, next thing you know, I'm doing birthday parties and, you know, <laughs> Joe's wearing a Barney suit and doing birthday parties <laughs> and shit like that, right? Because, yeah. you know, because the entrepreneurial brain's like, yeah, but I can make money. Yeah, but I can make money. But then at the end of the day, what you almost ultimately always wind up doing, and we've definitely learned this the hard way, is you, you cut your nose to spite your face. You know, you, you take away from the bread and butter. And if you just got really great at that one thing and scale that thing to its absolute pinnacle of greatness, yep. you're going to do, you're going to do fine. Right. And, and, and I know I can say this to Sam, but like name another person out there who's the absolute best at what they do in anything. The best guitarist in the world, mega millionaire, you know, best sculptor in the world, mega millionaire, best painter in the world, mega millionaire. You know what I mean? So, you know, the best architect in the world, mega millionaire, you know what I'm saying? So, so if you get great at something, you know, you'll be fine, you know, and then, and then, and then as an entrepreneur, like if you get to be like Sam and you hustle in the way he does, you know, maybe you just open up another gym for private training and it's like, whatever you do it, you know? Yeah. So it's, I think it is, listen, it's a trap that I fell into personally when I first started, it was, it was youth training. It was private training. It was semi-private training. It was athlete development. It was this, that, the other thing. And it actually, I think what it does too, is it confuses your customers as to what's actually going on there. Right. So there was a gym that we had thought about taking over and, and buying, right. They had great members. The guy was just ready to do something else. And I would ask his coaches, right? I was like, why isn't this place bursting at the seams? It's a beautiful building. You guys are amazing coaches. What's what's the missing gap there? And every single one of them would kind of like look at each other, look back at me, and they're like, we do too much. And I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, we've got CrossFit. We've got group fitness. We've got private sure. training all under one umbrella. So nobody knows us for what we actually do. It's kind of just confusing. And I'm, that really, you know, that rung a bell with me in the sense of like, listen, it's, if you simplify it, not only is it going to simplify it for your, for your team, but for your customers, which I think is, is really important. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a good point about your team too. And this is something that we've done a tremendous COVID was, you know, for everything it wasn't right. Cause we could just take 2020 and call that a mulligan. Right. But, but what it did is allow us to really deep analyze 
every everything in the business, every person, every system, every dollar that went in and out of this place, we we took a fine tooth comb out and looked at, and we we kind of came to the realization too that you know even though we're very busy, even though we're very lucky and we're, we we've had a great run, we said well what's the next step for HQ here, and the next step is is you know is doing everything better and being more profitable so that HQ becomes the foundation for the jump off to three or four other, you know, smaller locations. Right. And, and um, so, so we narrow, we simplified the shit out of our offerings as well. And and we went from doing, you know, all different types of athlete stuff, team training, athlete training to just, we just, now we only have one athlete program. It's open enrollment. You have to come to a pre-described time. And that's pretty much it. There's no other options in there whatsoever, right? Same thing with the adult training. Great. All right. We did classes, group training, personal training, semi-private. Hey, now it's, it's all semi-private training. That's it. You come in, we have a semi-private model. You train, you, we have a, we, you've, you've seen pictures of our, we have a large facility. So I have 12 stations basically where I can take six people per and at, at any given time from six to 11 AM, you know, it, the place is packed, right. With people. Mm-hmm. And then we offer some fitness classes as part of that membership, but no longer do we just sell class gotcha. membership. So we're kind of in on the opposite side of the spectrum of where you're yeah. at. Right. Yeah. Which is a good thing, especially if you're coming yeah. to my area. You <laughs> sounds like we can help each other. That's, That's all it, it sounds dude. like to That's me. It. Sounds like That's opportunity. It. Oh, oh, it oh, hey, look, man, if good business people figure out a way to stay in business and do good, you know what I mean? There's plenty. Yeah. So, but that, but, but again, a lesson learned for the industry and for the people listening is, Keep it simple. Just narrow it down because your team, if your team's confused about what they're selling and, and if they have to sit there and make a decision, man, Sam, Sam came in as a potential client. He's a run, he's an ex runner, ex washed up me head, loves to run, loves the <laughs> sports, right? You know, 30 something year old dude, got a couple of creaky injuries. Right, what, what product should I sell him? Right. You already put yourself in a bad position from a sales perspective. Instead of being like, hey, great. Well, great. Great thing we do here at Alpha is we have, the, we have one amazing program that we can scale for anybody. And so whether you're just getting started in fitness or you're an OG and loves to train and just want to add something new, fun, and fresh, right? We can scale our program to fit your needs. And it's like, oh, okay. That sounds fantastic. You're hired. You're, hi- you're yeah. hired. There you go. Do I get man. a job, man? Yeah. You're, you're if this varsity house thing doesn't work out, I'll come work for you. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, so, and, and we get that a lot. And I really do think that's one of the crutches of young coaches starting their business. They don't want to say no to people, right? But sometimes saying no and simplifying are two of the hardest things and best things that you can do in business for sure. So let's talk a little bit about you know, some of the other stuff you got going on. Cause if you follow Sam, it's literally like, it's like watching, it's like going on Netflix. There's like, there's a lot going on. Definitely right? a show. And yeah, it's definitely a show. Right. And, <laughs> and, 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 and look, and I love the brand is consistent, you know, the alpha brand, what you're doing training wise and so forth. And uh, you know, again, just reading through the stuff you had sent me, you know, you, Sam wants to run a hundred miles in November. Like is, are we talking a hundred miles over the next hundred days? Or are we talking a hundred miles in one shot here? Cause so you're last, talking to the wrong uh, team here, bro. Like, yeah, no, I know. Um, <laughs> football me, players sh- running 10 yard increments. If, if, if the, uh, if the <laughs> listeners could see me, I'm shaking my own head over here, but, um, every year. So I have a nonprofit, uh, 
organization that I'm in charge of. It's called the Thule Legacy Foundation. Um, pretty much what kind of sparked, you know, my almost need to go into business was my dad passing away, you know, almost four years ago. Um, and my, you know, my, my little brother at the time was a freshman in college. Um, you know, my dad and him were super, super close and we all were right. Like we had a really dysfunctional family life growing up. Um, but we were all super close, right? It just yeah. didn't seem to work. It just didn't seem to work, but we individually, <laughs> we were all insanely close. And so, um, my, you know, I looked at myself and again, I had not done very well in school. I had been kicked out. I was kind of just regrouping and, and quite frankly, coming, you know, I was coming out of rehab, quite frankly. Right. And like, that is a big part of my story is the sense yeah. that I was just getting sober, just coming home, just figuring out my life. Finally was proud of myself. Um, finally was felt like I earned, uh, my dad's respect, et cetera. And he passed away. And so that's what kind of pushed me into business is that I, I felt like I needed to show my little brother that we could do whatever we needed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so fast forward and the, the month that I signed the lease to that first gym, uh, you know, life decided to test me again. And we had a, a home fire that, Jake passed away in, you know, oh, so, geez, you know, it was like dad passes away, prevail, get life back on track, do what you need to do, show your brother, et cetera. Not so fast. Right. And, yeah. um, so Jake passed away and that year was my first year in business. It was incredibly hard. Like, Oh man, it's like know, hard to even get yourself. Yeah. It, there was, yeah, there was moving. days where I was like, let's go to work, let's do this. And then there was other days and weeks where I was like, I'm not getting off the couch. Like yeah. I just was broken. And so sure. it took a whole year for me to get through that and get to the other side of it. But one of the blessings of it was I really found my, my tenacity to train again. Right. When you talk about it being sure. kind of an outlet for you, it was always an outlet for me. Like I was the, I was the angriest runner my high school coach had ever seen in his life, he said. And it was because I had addiction in the family, divorce at home, like you name it. I was sure. like, well, the track is going to be my punching bag. Yep. And I and I reaped the rewards of that. And so when life came back and tested me again, I said, well, the one thing that I know works for me, which I couldn't go back to drinking, I couldn't go back to drugs. I said, I know how to train and I know how to, I know how to train angry. So let me do that, right? Yeah. Um, so I completed my first Ironman, uh, pretty much on the one year anniversary of Jake passing away. And it was like this weight was lifted off my shoulder. And so it relit kind of this inner urge to find out what I was capable of physically. And so every year I've put something on the calendar that scares the shit out of me physically, right? Just a reminder of what it. I'm capable of, what, you know, the fact that I should be grateful that I, that I can, right. All of those things. So I need some of that. Yeah. So we, you know, did the Ironman, did it twice, um, did, did pretty damn well with it. Um, and then the next year after those Ironman, I wanted to do something different. And so we ended up putting on a road race in Westfield called the night of lights 5k mm -hmm. ended up being one of the biggest road races in the state of New Jersey. It's first year, uh, had a live rock band playing at the finish, had food trucks, the, the cool. park itself was lit up with first responder vehicles we did it. We did it right. And it was all, um, you know, it was all in memory of Jake. So even now I get emotional thinking about it because yeah, it was, I'm getting emotional, bro. Dude, it was uh, such yeah, a, it was such a powerful day. Like yeah. just, it was a, it was the most beautiful weather you could ever ask for. 
everybody there was just there for the right reason to, uh, to celebrate Jake's life. And, you know, to look around and you see that alpha across people's chest, you see Thule Legacy Foundation across people's chest, you're like, damn, okay, we're, we're building something special. Um, with, with this past year in COVID, we had to cancel the race, unfortunately. It took everything, you know, took everything for me to be like, nah, like, screw that, we're going to hold the race. But, um, you know, I, I, I took a step back and I said, okay, well, what, what can I do? I was coaching all of these endurance athletes for New York City Marathon, which was also canceled. And I didn't want them to be like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to pay for coaching. I don't have a race to train for. So I took that step back and I said, what scares me? right? What is it? What is a real challenge for me? Running a marathon candidly is not a challenge, right? I, it, it, it is. It's insanely. <laughs> me neither, bro. <laughs> Ain't no big let, me, deal. let me take that back. Let me take that back. It's How much insane. do you weigh, bro? Yeah, 245 pounds crossing yeah. the finish line. And like you said, 244 for a female, I'd be like yeah. 644. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to rephrase that. It, if I was to just go out and trot it, I knew I could get it done. So it didn't scare me, right? It wasn't, it wasn't I'm scary playing. enough. I'm and playing. so I also wanted to really inspire those guys, you know, the people I was coaching. So I said, I'm going to run a hundred miles, right? November Jesus. 1st, rain or shine, I'm going to run a hundred miles. And, uh, I expect, I said to them, I said, I expect you to run your marathon, right? I said, I'm, if I can go out there and run a hundred miles, you better damn well get out there and run your marathon. So 90% of those clients stuck with it. Some of them even came to the park when I tried to do it. So this last November, I tried to run the hundred. And Mm. it was the worst weather day you could ever imagine. If you remember the Boston marathon a few years back where it was, it was that type of a day, um, pouring rain park was filled with people cheering me on as I tried to do it, had some buddies that were suckers enough to, to get out there as well. And I failed. I failed. I only ran 65 miles. Um, I had to tap out. I know. Tell me about it, man. Um, (laughs) And what was it just like cramping up bad, like feet all blistered to shit and stuff. Yeah. So it was less that I, you know, I went through the first marathon in about three 30, I was cruising, feeling good, waving, talking to people, whatever. Um, two weeks prior, I tried to do a training run where I basically was going to use the same, uh, system that I was going to use on the day. So it was run four, walk one, run four, walk one. I would eat while I walk. Right. And so the idea was stay in motion the whole time. Um, when I did that, something in both of my feet, started almost like spasming to an extent. Um, so I had to take two weeks off completely before going out and trying to get it done. Couldn't really bear that much weight. So I was like, this is going to be interesting. Um, after I had to tap out, basically, I just couldn't, I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't hold my weight up. Um, they, I went to the doctor two days later and they were pretty convinced that I had double stress fractures in both my feet before I even started running. Um, so I was running from all the training prior, basically. Yeah. 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 So, and my feet have always been my Achilles heel. They've always been my injury. Unfortunately, it's just severe plantar's fasciitis to the point sure. that you're, you basically just tenses up to the point. I've had it and, once or yeah. twice in my life. It's miserable. Brutal, brutal. Yeah. So I toughed it out as best I could, but now, right. You know, we are our own harshest critics. We are, we beat ourselves sure. up more than anybody, especially if you're a true competitor. And so I just was, I was disappointed. I was genuinely disappointed in myself, not in the effort that I gave, but just that I didn't check the box. And yeah. so, uh, I, I, I kind of looked at this year races kept getting canceled, etc. And I said, let's, uh, let's go give this thing a real shot. And so I actually just last week started running again. 
Um, I kind of took the winter off to get back to my meathead roots and, and mm-hmm. try and not be a stick figure. And, um, and now I'm, now I'm back on the running, running horse and, uh, we'll that's see, awesome, man. yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, let's talk about, I mean, cause that, I mean, that's some mindset shit. And I mean, there's a lot you, I mean, you went over a lot of stuff there. So like, you know, I, I mean, you could take all the X's and O's, the business stuff out of it, but being a great entrepreneur is 90%, you know, staying mentally strong and tough because you're going to get thrown curveballs every day. I mean, in little shit that people don't open up businesses or maybe even your clients. And a lot of times your employees don't even realize because it doesn't affect them directly. But like a quick example, like last week we had a systemic IT failure, you know, no phones, no Wi-Fi, no internet, you know, everything, all our POS systems were down for like three days. Right. Come to find out that the system was installed improperly i gotta have it all fixed you know there goes five grand right and it's like you know just something super quick but but handcuffed like you never think and like for like i'm writing down you know people's accounts with a pen and paper again for the first time in like you know yeah 15 years and it's like jesus but the mindset is critical how does training like again like we said like training is an outlet for us but you know how important is it for you you know, to keep that routine, to stay on track, focus with the business side so that you can, you know, kind of clear your mind. And what are some other things that you are training is one piece. What are some other things that you do to stay like, you know, dialed in and focused on the prize in a sense? So for me, I think I've always found I am a much better, like first and foremost, I'm a much better coach when I'm actually walking the walk, right? I'm doing what I'm asking my athletes to do. Everything started with that online coaching service. Right. And so I found that when I wasn't training my, uh, empathy towards my athletes, right. My, like, I just, it just was skewed, right. It wasn't, it didn't, it didn't always add up. And so I just find I'm a much better coach when I'm training, when I'm dialed in. And I think that the training also just translates to everything else from my diet to my sleep, to all of those other things. When I'm prepping for something, I am operating like an athlete in all facets of my life. Yes. Right? So everything's on. You got all the dials are turned up. In no a doubt. Yeah. Because yeah. it has to be because it's also a huge time and energy commitment for us as well. When we're really gearing up for something that's as big as an Ironman or as big as a, a hundred mile run, you name it. Um, if it, if it's big, then it's going to require a lot. And so I think for me that I've just always found that I'm on my game when, when those things line up. Right. Um, I am an early morning riser. I know I don't, I don't necessarily need to be anymore now based upon how the gyms run and that I'm not leading those sessions, but it's just another thing where I feel like if I wake up before the rest of the world, my mind is right. I have time to do my thing. And then for the rest of the day, I can then go serve my team and our, and our members a hell of a lot better. Um, so that it's the training, the early mornings, Um, those have been key for me. And then honestly, one of the last things in terms of an overall mindset, right? Take, take the business out of it, take, take the training out of it, take all of it out of it and just talk about life stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, journaling has been really key. I just find that when I write out my ideas, I've always enjoyed writing. Um, it's, it's been a big, you know, big part of my life, uh, specifically since I got sober, pretty much like that was the one thing that I picked up where, when I started writing down what was in my head, I really saw it for what it was, whether it was trash and it was just garbage and it was something that I needed to think through, or if I really was uncovering what 
you know, the truth of the matter was. I just sure. found that when pen hit paper and I was able to really just articulate my thoughts through that, I was like, got it. I find that's funny. It's the same thing, you know, and this is a little thing, you know, I'm going to sound real sappy here. Um, I, I, you know, I'm married, right. And I have a family, right. I have a young son and my wife, my wife's name is Edel, Right. And, um, and, you know, we've been together for, you know, going to be 11 or 12 years now, right. Long time. Right. But, you know, and she's honestly the love of my life. She, she's amazing. She saved me. Right. I was, I was in a, in a similar way. I had been divorced. I was kind of, you know, I had the business and I had Dan and Dan, you know, I jokingly, we always jokingly say Dan's my other wife. Right. And, and so forth, <laughs> but we love each other. We're like brothers. And, you know, we, we're like, you know, you know, always goofing around. And he's like literally become like my, one of my best friends. And, uh, you know, and, and, but I was in a pretty bad spot, you know, emotionally and personally. And like, you know, that kind of saved me. And one of the things that I've always done, I've always had a tough time communicating, you know, that verbally, right. And sure. it's just easy to just go, you know, I'm a big me head. I don't know yeah. most to say, right. You know? Yeah. And, and so, but I always write her, you know, like once a week, once a month, whatever it is on the holidays, I always write her like a really nice little love letter kind of thing. Right. And I, and what comes out, is always so much better than what I can say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, how could you never say that shit? I was like, <laughs> because I don't know when I when I put it on paper, like you said, it just it just flows a little bit better, and it comes from the heart. And uh, you know, sounds super sappy, but I, you know, I, I think it's a practice that some people, you know, look, you need emotional outlets, no doubt. If you're if, if, if all humans, and like nowadays we get so consumed with social media and the phones and everything else we're doing that the human connection of, you know, written word, spoken word, you know, like like hanging out as bros and like having a couple of beers and having like two hours of like in depth conversation without being on our phones the entire time mm -hmm. is a is is not that common anymore. So it's another great way to you know, expel some of those emotions. And then I think like, again, when you look at it, you get to analyze yourself. Like, what the hell did I just write? And like, wow, you know, I am really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes damn. it's damn. sometimes it's the affirmation that you're like, well, crap, all wow, right. Damn. Yeah, maybe I just rip this one out. I can't believe that it. people actually like me. No, <laughs> I can't believe she said yes. What an idiot. No. <laughs> so fun. And it's honestly, what's actually been cool is like, if I look over at my shelf, I do have pretty much every journal that I've ever That's written, awesome, right? Man. So to go back four years, right? When I opened the first gym, to look back and see what I wrote, yeah. like, man, it just talk about like really understanding the, the look, growth. I'm pulling them out. Look at yeah. Yeah, 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 man. It. Look at stacks, stacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Them, yeah. So you get it. You get it. It's, <laughs> it's just like stacks. anything. I think when you figure out what works yeah. for you, right. In terms of, right here, these are the ones yeah, that are active. Dude, I, got the active. <laughs> I got the whole stack, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think when you, when you find what works for you, right. I think people are, I go back and forth on this, right? But people are always looking for the bet, like new systems of to do's and this and that, right? And they listen to podcasts and they hear this and they hear that, right? They, they see it on YouTube. Yeah. When something works for you and works really fucking well, just hammer it, right? Yeah. Like it, yeah. you don't have to reinvent the wheel every quarter when you think, oh, I need to do this better. I need to do that better. Like if you have something that keeps you on track and keeps you accountable and keeps you honest, whether it's your to-do system, your, your, your reflections, whatever, right? Like when it works, just let it work, you know? Yeah. And I think I've been suspect to always feeling like I need to change, change, change when sometimes similar to our idea of offerings, sometimes yes. just doing better, better yes. is, is the answer. 
It's funny you say that because I I fell into that trap. And I think that's just the entrepreneurial brain a lot of the times. You know, I mean, look, there's if, if you're somebody who's attracted and I'll say addicted to business and I am like I, I'm addicted to, to this business and I'm addicted to fitness. I'm addicted to growth. I'm addicted to coaching. Right. I can't not coach. My wife's like my wife literally has to tell me, we're not in the gym. Stop fucking coaching me. I'm like, I'm like, I can't help it. I was yeah. like, in, the, in in another two seconds, I'm gonna start counting. All right, that's one. That's two. You know, and she's like, get the hell out of here, right? I can't help it. So whether I'm coaching business or coaching life, coaching one of my employees or my best friend or whatever it might be, I'm I'm addicted to that. So I'm addicted to opportunity too, right? And sure. I know like uh, that's shiny object syndrome can kind of pull you in a lot of different directions. So I've learned to control that. I might write it down and then, like I saw a good opportunity, but then if I stew on it for a couple of days, I'm like, all right, that's way outside the wheelhouse. Like, like I, I have a thing yep. for food. I'm a passionate foodie, right? And yep. I, I would probably sell this place in two seconds if I had the right restaurant opportunity, right? <laughs> and and, and then like, wait, what are you doing now? I'm fucking sold it, sold it, sell, buy me out, dude. I'm out of here. Cuban restaurant, sandwich shop. I'm going Love right it. now, right? And, um, but the same thing is true for my own personal, like accountability and scheduling. Once I narrowed it down to a simple system of, you know, a nightly, a nightly reflection and to do right. Mm -hmm. A morning affirmation. Right. And I'm not getting all tree huggery here. It's very simple. Sure. Like I, it's still written on paper. Like it's super simple. I, I write down my to do's every night. Mm -hmm. I get up in the morning, I review and affirm what I have to do that day. I execute. Right. And every Friday, right after I get off this call, I'm going to brain dump. I'm going to plan my week. I'm going to yep. set up my schedule for next week and I'm going to fuck home. And that's it. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and that shit has been repeated for the last two years without ever missing a beat. And things have gotten so much more productive and on point in my life. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, you start to see some major scale. I'm not trying to change nothing. I, and I said to Dan, I said, like, look, don't fuck up my system. My system works. Like, you know, yeah. he's like, well, you got post-its all over. Dude, don't mess up my system. My system works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my shitty handwriting and whiteboard to my books and stuff. I was like, you know, I got it dialed in right now. You know, at, the four, at 45, I finally figured it out. <laughs> you know, when it, when it works, it works. When right, it works, right. That's awesome, man. Sam, yeah. This was like, I could go on for another two hours. I know. Dude. We'd this, have a problem. A yeah, We'd no, have... I mean, I think I, <laughs> I'd love to do a follow up because I'd really want to talk a lot more about, you know, when you get this third location up sure. and you decide that staying down on your side of the uh, of the state is a better option for you guys uh -huh. that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but I really want to talk about the marketing, the sales sure. and the training of your employees and stuff like that. Because I know that people would love to hear, you know, um, where can people get in touch with you saying, well, how can they, how can they uh, uh, follow you guys and where's the best place to, you know, keep an eye on the alpha brand. Yeah. So, uh, Instagram coach.samtooley, that is my main hub. And then just at alpha fit club, each, each location has their own, uh, as well, but alpha fit club will be our main, main one. So if you want anything on the gym front, hit that. And then just for me at coach.samtooley. Sick, man. So Sam Tooley, alpha fit club, honestly, a meteoric rise doing some super cool stuff, drop some massive heat on everybody today. Some really great gems on, on what it takes, um, uh, you know, to, to dial it in as a gym owner, businessman, entrepreneur. And I always like to kind of throw in there because it's a, one of my absolute favorite books, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, going from going from the technician of coach to the tactician of business leader 
is is a real key thing there and i think that's one step where a lot of gym owners get bogged down is trying to find that right balance of when, when to you know become the businessman and and get off the gym floor in a sense and you can see sam's still coaching it's not like he's completely removed from coaching but he's not coaching 50 sessions a week anymore and, and yeah. two, two classes i give it my all it's like 50 classes packed into two and uh, it definitely saves my voice a little bit too. So everyone's, <laughs> yeah, everyone's yeah, happy. Yeah. That's it. All right, everybody. Sam Tooley, Alpha Fit Club. Check this out. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate your time and energy, brother. Thank you, sir.